Good morning, everybody, and happy Friday. Welcome to another episode of Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. I'm producer AB filling in for my man Mitch and Joel, and we've got Dennis Dick hanging out in the background. So let's go ahead and roll that intro when we come back. We've got a lot of topics to talk about. Some earnings coming in. We've got Foot Locker came in, just absolute disaster, bringing down a lot of other retail uh, clothing names as well. We'll, look, we'll take a look at stocks like Nike, uh, on on you name it and then as well on the other side you had john deere who you know absolutely crushed it again john deere trading up uh, applied materials reported as well we have some other headlines to talk about we will be joined by jonathan corpina at 8 35 a.m eastern so pack show excited for it let's go ahead and roll that intro and bring dennis on when we come back Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I'm bidding a penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. All right, Mr. Dennis, how are you doing this morning? Not too bad. What's going on? Not a whole lot. Looks like we're going to have a nice day here in Detroit. You're in Canada, right? Yeah, cold. It's cold here today, too. We got down to freezing uh, just 24 hours ago here, so trying to warm up. I'm an hour north of Toronto. Okay. Are you a big? Are you a hockey guy? Yeah, huge. Yeah. Do you see no, that? We, we don't uh, talk hockey on this show anymore, so after, okay. uh, after the Oilers and the Leafs debacle, we're pretty much done with hockey, so... Got it. 31 years now since Canada has won a cup. Yes, it was 30, yeah. but we know we cannot win it this year, so it will be 31 years since the Stanley Cup has come back to Canada. It's been an awful run for Canadian teams. We've been there. had a couple teams. Oilers were there. Flames were there. Habs were there. Canucks were there, but we've always found a way to lose. So, anyways, not good hockey talk. Let's move away from that. Got it. Well, the only thing I was going to mention, Brenda's joining us from Florida. The, the Florida Panthers game, I don't know if you saw, went to four overtimes last night in game one of the, of the uh, thing. So, so the game didn't end until like 2 a.m. or something crazy. It was a late um, night I, Dougie Sifu. Yeah, exactly. Um, but that's, that's neither here nor there. We've got other more important things to talk about. Uh, okay, so Dennis, let me ask you this. So Foot Locker reported this morning. Report was was terrible. I'll go through the some of the numbers right now. Yeah. EPS came in at seventy cents versus seventy eight cents estimate. Okay, so that's you know uh, the the revenue one point nine three billion versus about two billion estimate. So that missed as well. But then the company also uh, lowered its guidance moving forward. So not good news in terms of like retail sales. But Foot Locker is a smaller company. Why 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 does the market seem to like like that it cares so much about Foot Locker's earnings? Well, I don't think the market does care at all. That's why the market's trading higher. What I do think cares is the retail sector. So you're seeing retail stocks getting hit. So again, separation here. You always have some winners, it feels like, and some losers. Today, we are seeing um, tech picking up a little bit of the slack, but we're seeing we're seeing it's a very mixed market. Oil is picking up the slack. Banks are up a little bit here. So you are seeing some strength. There always is. And then Deer we'll get to in a second, which was a fantastic quarter, although it's leaking. But this Foot Locker quarter is nothing short of a disaster. Let's just talk about this on an overall, you know, basis here. Um, you know, 
EPS guidance 2023 from 335 to 365 were estimates. That would put the PE around eight or nine. All of a sudden, that PE almost doubles because the E is going down to two to 225. So now you look at it, well, they're going to make two bucks next year potentially. Now it's trading the PE of 15 at 31. So, I mean, that's the funny thing. When you get into, you know, where companies start to struggle, you think you're buying them cheap, all of a sudden, Foot Locker is not cheap anymore. This is a disaster stock. I'm not buying the dip here in Foot Locker. It's its own individual stories. There's some stocks that I was coming in on the earnings and buying the dip. This is not one of them. Maybe they come in at 30. Maybe they come in. But we know Foot Locker has had, you know, struggles here for a while. Um, you know, is it Nike going direct to customer? Well, that's part of it all. But there's so many other problems here for Foot Locker. I think it's more of an individual story as opposed to the retail, as opposed to, you know, the consumer just, you know, not shopping. I think they're just not shopping at Foot Locker. Yeah, I mean, and I can speak a little bit to how I know that, you know, some of my friends that are on the younger side in their mid-20s, like how they buy shoes. And Dennis, literally none of them are going to the mall, going to Foot Locker and buying shoes. It's like you said, Nike going direct to consumer. You have other brands now on on, which is a stock that's been doing pretty well, probably down today on the on the Foot Locker news. Uh, that's going direct to consumer as well. But on top of all that, you have these apps like Sneaker and StockX that people are also buying shoes from eBay has uh, ha has made a lot of investments trying to get into the shoe reselling marketplace by making it like a, a better experience to buy shoes on eBay. You get uh, an authentication if you buy like a real pair of Jordans and stuff on there. So there's a lot of competition for Foot Locker in kind of like the 21st century way with all these different apps and yeah. stuff. And I see it as just kind of one of those like older, you know, almost like if you think about a department store selling clothes versus like a, a new uh you know app or website that everyone's going to and there's bad reports and then there's disaster reports and this one here is an epic disaster so i would say on sometimes you know there's an opportunity to come in and say well this is a one-off well this you know is you know just you know they had a tough quarter but they're gonna bounce back this is not that quarter this is a tough quarter combined with future guidance terrible combined with everything that you just said about going direct to consumer not going to the mall I mean, this is just not the place to have your money. Does it get a bounce? I seems to bounce here. Maybe it can get a bounce, but a lot of guts that, you know, be playing that bounce here. Um, you do have some support at $30 psychological level here. We have options expiration here today. I'm sure there's some 30 puts or maybe there's some, you know, 30 options here. So 30 has some major support. You can see all those lows back when we go to the, where it's the middle of 2022 to where it's the end of 2022. But I'm not coming here trying to call a bottom in this one. Not for me. Yeah, I mean, again, like like you said, the report was a disaster. And on top of the bad report, you have uh, the fact that it, the, the company might be losing market share and its space to other newer companies. So to me, something to avoid. But let's keep we'll keep watching the story. We'll watch some other retail stocks. Dennis, let me ask you this. There are a lot of people out there that, you know, economists that are still predicting some sort of a slowdown in the economy with, mm -hmm. you know, interest rates rising and, you know, still some inflation out there. If people do start to cut back on spending, where do you think we see that first? Do you think like a, a, a something like shoe sales is, is something that we could see that in? Yeah, well, you see it on big ticket items. If we do go into a recession, we've been saying, you know, we're going to a recession for a while, but it just hasn't happened. And I mean, this consumer does not appear to be slowing down. Again, Foot Locker is an anomaly. Maybe it slows down a bit. But I think, you know, big ticket things are scary. I mean, you think about cars, you think about houses, but the housing market keeps going. 
So I just don't see signs of it, which is, you know, you know, we, we keep thinking the higher interest rates have to eventually hit home, but they don't. And we know, and at least, you know, in Canada, I know the way the banks got around this. We talked about this already is you had 25 year amortizations on your homes. Well, they're giving up 30s, 35s, 40s, depending on who you are and how bad your situation is. I mean, it's, it's now to the point where uh, I believe in, in this, this, the statistic was, and I quoted it before, I'm just going from my memory here now, that there was almost zero mortgages in Canada but that were amortized out further than 25 years. Now 25% of mortgages are amortized out further than 25 years. So you literally, you could just see how this happened. You literally had 25% of people with houses came in, variable mortgages, lots of variable mortgages in, in Canada, coming in saying, hey, look, banker, I'm having trouble meeting my payments. What can you do to help me? Well, we'll help you here. We'll just take your amortization from 25 years to 35 years, and that'll bring your payment back down to 2000 bucks a month. Thank you very much. Now I can go continue my, you know, uh, my spending. So it just undid everything that the Fed did. So instead of paying off your 25 years, it paid off in 35 or 40 or 45, depending on your house. I heard they're going out as far as 50 years. So, I mean, this is, you know, you keep thinking that higher interest rates are going to hurt. Same thing with cars, Aaron. I mean, five years was the norm. You know, you go out, you get your car, you're going to do your car payments going to be over five years. They do 10 now. They do 10. So all they did was kick the can down the road, let your, let your grandkids pay for these houses, let your, let your kids pay, pay for your car, because, you know, after 10 years, your car is junk. So that's where we're at. That's, you know, the consumer, you know, to keep the consumer going, the banks have figured out a way to get around it. Yeah, my, uh, I, I agree with all that. My one kind of prediction is that when we, if we do see this slowdown, I think one area that we'll be leading that we'll be able to kind of see it in as long as we're getting that data uh, quickly is in uh, like travel and vacations. I think that's an area that's been super. Because I remember when was that, Dennis? Like a, I don't know. It wasn't. I don't think it was a full year ago, but say like nine months ago or so. When like everyone, it was when we had two negative GDP quarters in a row, but they yeah, were slight, we were and it was the, in a recession. Yeah, yeah. It was the whole argument about are we in a recession? You know, whatever. And at that time, uh, I remember like traveling, like going to. We went to Vegas for a, a Benzing, like something for Benzinga and stuff, and sure. just like the planes were packed, hotels were packed, and I was like, everyone. And then you turn on CNBC and they're talking about a recession. I was like. It doesn't feel like it. Like you go no. into the plane, you go to the airplane, you go on, never you go did. to a hotel. It never did. So uh, no. I think if, if we do start to see some sort of, and maybe we'll see it from like hotel names or Airbnb, that like that could be an area where okay, now people aren't spending thousands of dollars uh, a couple times a year on vacation. I mean, that's that's a. I would throw that in there as a big ticket item as well because people are are usually spending. Well, people want to do stuff, and they'll find the money to do it. And the biggest thing is. It again goes back to, you know, what is the person's biggest expense? It's their mortgage. It's their car payment. I mean, if the bankers and the auto lenders are willing to extend those amortizations out, people don't have less money. They literally have the same amount of money then. They're just going to pay it off in a longer period of time. So, you know, the same thing that we've done, the U.S. government has done, you know, let's build up the deficit. We'll just continue to, you know, service the interest payments and we'll kick the can down the road. 10 trillion in debt, 20 trillion in debt, 30 trillion in debt, 50 trillion in debt, 100 trillion in debt. Where does it stop? It doesn't stop. It just continues to go. They're going to raise the debt ceiling because they have no choice. And then the debt's going to continue to go higher. And, you know, we just continue to, you know, go farther in debt. So the government goes farther in debt. The people go farther in debt. I don't know where it stops. It's a house of cards, but the cards just continue. They, they appear to be glued down. So. Um, to, to stay on the bear train, and you can give all these arguments, Peter Schiff, you know, we've had a lot of 
you know, perennial bears here um, that have given these arguments for a long time, and they make a hell of a lot of sense. The problem is the market just doesn't care. The market doesn't care. Yes, say doesn't care. Tech doesn't care. The consumer doesn't care. Watch they might the make a, they might make a lot of sense, but they also might lose a lot of money. And, and, and we, uh, I think Carl Icahn in an inter- interview yesterday talked about uh, his short position back in 2017 and 2018 that lost his uh, fund eight billion or nine billion dollars by being short the overall market. Kind of, and he talked about that mindset getting bought up uh, in, in that Peter Schiff kind of staying short is very difficult in the long run this is why i never short stocks in my long-term portfolio so again some people are really good at it i short stocks every single day in the day trading portfolio you know i trade market neutral equal longs equal shorts balancing myself out but in my long-term portfolio i stay invested because when you start shorting in your long-term portfolio the timing has got to be good because i mean in the long term stocks have drifted up for a hundred years so you are fighting that overall trend by being short in your long-term portfolio. There are periods of times where I will be short in my trading account, but this is not one of those times. Like people are saying, oh, the NVIDIA, might as well short this, it's going straight up. Shorting rocket ships is a way to lose a lot of money. Yeah, does it make any sense here at 65 times earnings? Probably not, but it didn't make sense at 60 times earnings or 55 times earnings, and the stock has continued to go higher. So I just don't short rocket ships. I like to short. Once, you know, the stock is broken trend, I like to short weaker stocks, you know, stocks that are trending down. Shorting a stock like NVIDIA or, you know, or, you know, all these other ones, Microsoft that just continues to go straight up or AMD for that matter, which I'm long. I mean, this is a recipe for disaster. You will have pullbacks and you will, you know, get lucky with the timing. But overall, trend is still your friend. Trend on tech is still higher. Yeah. Um, Dennis, do you, do you trade a lot of options? Okay. I sometimes do some covered calls in the long-term portfolio, which I have been doing. I do have some covered calls written on some stuff, which it looks like I might get called away on a few things. Because uh, this, if this market continues to go higher, you get called away. But no, I, I used to trade options quite a bit going back 15 years ago. I don't trade them as much now. I like the equities. I mean, stick to what you know. Stick to what you're good at. If you're a good options trader, stick to your options. If you're good at equities, stick to equities. You, you like trading other stuff? Stick to that. Stick to what you're good at. I like trading stocks. Yeah, the only reason I asked, Jay Rice had a comment about uh, the expected move in Foot Locker was two bucks and eighty cents, and he said it was a, a three standard uh, deviation move, extremely rare. Those puts were dirt cheap, so I, I always find that interesting. In the, I mean, it's like anything else, right? It's like a, a, a sports gamble. If you go buy something that's not expected to happen and it's plus ten thousand or a hundred to one, just like the bigger move on an option is going to be priced super cheap, but then you sometimes have these two, three standard deviation moves that that you know from a statistical standpoint are very very rare but if you happen and, and to buy the puts this is what suckers people in so this right. is the suckers trade is you'll see the media talk about look at all the money made up buying these options and then more people are buying options the money is made in the long run selling options people i have my friend chris uh who's trader bright trading for a long time all he does is sell options for 15 years he just has an options portfolio. He's just basically selling insurance to the market, you know, and he's doing it in different ways with spreads, trying obviously, you know, to mitigate the, basically when you're selling options all the time, you're trying to mitigate the black swan event because the black swan event can wipe out years if you're always an options seller. Then what that, what does that mean? It means we get like a COVID like 2020 where you got all this premium rent and all of a sudden the market falls 30% one month 
And it's like, oh my gosh, I got to come good for this. So you've got to minimize the damage when you get, you know, that, you know, all of a sudden spike in volatility. But, you know, overall, though, options writers make money, options buyers lose money in the long run. 100%. Just going through. Uh... It's just the time value is on your side. So premiums are just getting sucked dry, you know, like it's so the time value is always on your side. If you're a writer, it's always against you if you're a buyer. It's hard to make money buying options. Couldn't agree more. And, and you, you gotta, gotta, if, you, if you're going to go out there, you're going to learn that on your own, right? If you're buying options all the time, you can make some quick money. You can make some money. It's great, but it's not sustainable. Trust me. I've, I've tried. Uh, running get the through... good ones. I can remember some options trades that I had back in 2000 and like maybe four or five. And I can remember um, it, it was reinsurers. And, you know, we had some event. And I was like, well, they're not pricing in the potential for this event. I, I can't remember exactly what the event was. But anyways, the reinsurers got absolutely rocked. And I was like, I had some puts you know, on some of these reinsurers. And I had picked up for a quarter, like 25 cents. And I was selling for 10 bucks. And I'm like, those are good trades. Like, wow, you know, you just like did 2,000% or whatever the hell that adds up. I don't even know yeah. a quarter to, you know, to, to 10 bucks is even more than that. But you know what? You go and, you know, those still, you know, there's lots of other times where you buy options and you're like, oh, I'm going to take a shot here, a shot here, and it doesn't work out. So. Overall, I just say, if you can learn anything from the show here today, the money is made selling options, not buying options. But as an option seller, you've got to mitigate that risk of that spike in volatility, that black swan event, because that black swan event can wipe you out if you get too over leveraged on options. 100%. Um, Just running through some different shoe names that might be moving pre-market off of Foot Locker's earnings. You got Crocs down uh, about 1.5% on on, I mentioned. Uh, Also down about 1.5%. Nike down about 2.5%. Dennis, you got any other shoe names off the top of your head? Um, See, some of them have already been hit because most of them have already reported. The Nike is the one you think about right away and you're like, holy cow, Foot Locker's doing bad, Nike's doing bad. But is Foot Locker doing bad because Nike's going more direct to consumer? That might be the case. Again, Foot Locker's its own story here. Crocs has already reported. Report a fantastic quarter. They hit it anyways. So, I mean, if they're hitting stocks on good reports, imagine what they're doing to them on bad reports. A la Foot Locker. That's what you see. So um, On On is an interesting story. You mentioned that one before. It got hit on its report, which wasn't that bad, continues to get hit. I don't wonder if this bounces here eventually. You know, this story here I don't think is over. You sometimes have stories go ice cold, cool off, and then sometimes stories are just over. I don't think ONON is over. I think the story has cooled off. I think you got some good support down at 25. Um, I almost wonder, you know, and I hate buying, but you're on the third day since this, and, and you wonder if you don't get like, okay, we got to sell on on too because Footlocker's doing bad. I don't wonder if like a day like this at on on could actually reverse off it. So I don't think you want to be too early. You're going to see some weakness from the Footlocker on this, some follow through weakness, but I wonder if that weakness isn't to be bought in ONON. Yeah, and it's so interesting because, oh, like on is such a, a newer company. And I know a lot of people that are buying shoes from this this company. So I don't know where they buy them. I think it's a direct-to-consumer. They might sell them in other places as well. But like for Foot Locker's, Foot Locker reported bad earnings. And now On On is trading down. On On might continue to trade down. But On On could be like taking some of Foot Locker's market share. The they market could, could you know. So it, it's, it's interesting to see that the uh, competitors 
often trade together because it's more seen as just the macro. But sometimes I'm sure some of these like discrepancies and oh, Foot Locker's losing sales. Where are those sales going? Maybe to Nike and on on. So I don't know. I, like you said, I don't think this story is over. I'm not in this stock right now. I'm not buying it here, but I am watching it. And I do think there is some potential. I get scared with the long-term story because I think a lot of times you have new brands like this come out, they're hot, and then you know, a couple years go by, no one's talking about on on. You know what they will be talking about? That Nike. does happen. Because Nike has staying power. You know, like Nike, I'm not worried about Nike going anywhere in five years. On on could I, you know, it could be like a complete fad and no one's talking about it. I don't well, know. So that's true. And that's always the risk when you're buying this new hot story. Is it a fad or not? I mean, sometimes you just have to ask that question. Some people think AI is a fad. That's insane, in my opinion. I think AI is going to be in everything. Do I know if on-on shoes are going to be the coolest shoes two years from now? I don't know if they'll be as cool. Maybe they're still going to be cool. A lot of people thought Crocs was a fad, and Crocs stayed around here. <laughs> and think about the stock. What Sierra? Well, Crocs, Crocs actually was a fad, but then it came back, and then like you know, had stay in power. I, I will say probably power. So shoes, shoes with holes in them. In 2017, was five bucks. It's 115 dollars here now. A lot of people thought this was a fad. 2016, 2017, 2018. A lot of those people lost a lot of money. I'm sure there were a lot of people back in 2012 that thought Lululemon was a fad as well. That thought, thought, oh, uh, yoga pants like are not going to last. That's a fad, you know, whatever. And that has proved to have staying power as well. So I guess the 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 you, you don't know. You have cases where these these brands fizzle out. Then you have cases where they end up, uh, you know, consumers end up really yeah. liking them. Yeah. Um, I, I, so Dennis, I wanted to mention one thing just because you mentioned the housing market earlier. I did see this headline yesterday from the Wall Street Journal. Um, home prices in the U.S. posted largest annual drop in more than 11 years in April. So from last April to this April, sales of previously owned homes fell 3.4%. Um, so that, I, I don't know. I mean, like cracks. the housing cracks. Yeah, and, and, and sales have been down still. So even as the price goes down, which you should, you know, which should increase the demand for buyers, the sales have still been lower. So there, like you said, there may be some cracks forming. The flip side to that is at the end of the day, Dennis, I don't know what's going on up there with, the, with y'all in Canada. Here in the United States, we still have like a housing shortage. There are more people that want houses than there are houses. And that's so a problem in Canada as well. So it's hard for me to imagine that there's going to be some huge crash in price because when you have higher demand than you have supply, simple economics will tell us that, you know, like the price shouldn't go down a lot in that scenario. But you are seeing the, the housing prices start to drop a little bit in the United States. So uh, just something yeah. to keep the eye on. Again, I don't think this is like indicative of, oh, my God, the housing market's crashing or that there's actually a lot of weakness yeah. there because I think it's I think it might is maybe what I would consider it more Dennis is just some normalization and I've talked about this before here too went through a house build here um, where I'm at up there in Georgian Bay and you know I know what stuff costs to build and replacement cost is the major issue here what does that mean so so the driver of home prices is supply and demand but another major driver is replacement cost because if you can't find a house, let's build a house. Well, building new houses is went from in Canada. So when I started, you know, looking at building a house back in 2018, builder comes in, they're building 250 to 400 dollars a square foot. That's Canadian prices, so you got to drop 30 percent off if you're in the U.S. So 250 to 400. Do you know what that range is now? So here we are, five years later, builders are building from 400 to 700. 
So you literally have wow. almost doubled the cost of building a home in the last five years. What has happened to home prices in the last five years? They've doubled as well. So it tracks building costs and replacement costs. You can't build. So if you're building a 2,000 square foot home in, in, in Ontario and you're going middle of the road here, it's almost a million bucks to do it, which is you know insane to think about. So about 700,000 US. I mean, this is just the cost of doing business. Labor is up, materials. Yes, lumber has come down and people quote lumber, but it's only you know a portion, 15 to 20% of what goes into your home. There's a lot more stuff that goes into your home than lumber. Steel is way up. The labor, which is almost half of it, has increased. And people do not take pay cuts. So you can say, oh yeah, the labor will come down. Labor never comes down. People don't take pay cuts. If they're charging you 70 bucks an hour, it's going to continue to be $70 an hour. They're not going to say, oh yeah, we'll take 50 or we'll take 40 because you know what? A lot of their employees are making 30 to $40 an hour here now. So I mean, this is, the wages don't come down. So as long as you know material costs stay high, which they have, but more so as long as you know that labor costs stay high, which don't come down, it's hard to envision a scenario where housing prices crash. Yeah, I mean, it, again, like it's 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 there's so much demand out there. I mean, I don't you can't count how many thirty year olds there are in the United States that that want to own a house that are priced out right now. So they'll be ready to go if there is any sort of correction or crash. Um, Dennis, do you want to, let's get back to earnings real quick. We yeah. talked about Foot Locker's disaster. On the flip side, you had John Deere. Uh, who basically, I mean, like, like the, the tale of two cities here for John yeah. Deere. Let me go ahead and get these pulled up. Um, like you said, the stock is leaking. What's, what's going on here in the pre-market well, trading? Well, it's leaking a little bit from those highs. This is one that I've been bearish for a long time, you know, and this quarter was really good, so I'm actually surprised. Um, um, I, I've been bearish the stock since, the, you know, 420, 430, 440. It kept going up. I got bearish around 420, kept going up, 440, and, you know, it's leaked since. So I've been correct on this call. Um, it surprised me how strong this still is. This is still throwing up big numbers, man. So, I mean, the earnings report was absolutely fantastic from face value. Now, I haven't dug into the reports here, to the details, but I can tell you, 965 versus 859, 17.39 billion versus 14.83 billion. That all looks good. You know, and, and I don't see anything with the guidance here yet, which, um, you know, um, obviously there's probably some guidance kicking around here somewhere now, but... It, just taking those numbers at face value, it's an impressive quarter. Stock has been beat up, so people weren't expecting that much here either. One issue you will have is there's a lot of overhead supply here. You know, Deer doesn't really have an AI story. Maybe these tractors, maybe it does. Maybe the tractors are going to drive themselves. But, you know, it's not as obvious of a story as a Microsoft or an AMD. Like AMD on the pullback, I was like, you know, we need to buy that because of the AI story that's going to continue to get hot. And that's why AMD has been the driver. Here, Deer. I mean, it's getting a pop, but it's already starting to leak. Does it continue to have, you know, sustainable, like are people driving there? I got to get into deer. I know. I don't know if it's going to be the driver of the next bull market here. So even though the P is cheap and the stock looks cheap, I'm still not sure this is like the, the stock that you want to be in. But I love the quarter. Yeah, I mean, like you said, the, from a from a face value, this quarter is absolutely unreal. I mean, you you don't typically see unless you're talking about like the apples and amazons of the world you don't typically see sales come in by such a i mean 14.83 billion was the estimate 17.39 so uh beat by by almost two and a half billion dollars on the uh on the sales right now great quarter for deer uh we also had applied materials dennis let's see how that one's trading 
Uh, it's been down. So apply materials. Give us the earnings here quick, Aaron, and then uh, we'll jump into the technicals on that one too. Oh, yeah. yeah, one second. Hold up. Um, what, what, what was your like initial bear case on deer? On deer? Um, yeah. Just, I thought, I, well, I kept thinking recession. I kept thinking this is as good as it gets. And I mean, it's worked out because the stock has come down in certain stocks. We've seen this separation between tech stocks and, you know, industrials really to a certain extent, you know, it's come down. Um, but, you know, overall, I just thought that the economy was going to slow in 2023. So, you know, and I was talking about this at the end of 2022. That really hasn't happened, but the deer trade still worked out because we saw this separation, you know, regional banks tanking IWM, you know, typically, you know, some of the big, you know, uh, cyclicals, it have been coming down, oil's been coming down, certain things, and they've been buying tech in its place. It's been the tech train and everything else has been left, you know, on the tracks. And um, I, I don't know if that story continues. That's why I'd rather buy tech on dips than buy cyclicals on rips. So I don't like buying rips at all. And that's why I love this deer quarter. If this was, you know, somebody like AMD or NVIDIA throwing up numbers like this, I'd be like, I almost got to chase this. But it's just, you know, not where I feel like the growth driver is going to be here for the next couple of years. It's not going to be the story. So there's going to be so many better stories. You know, and that AI story is going to continue to be there. Is there a bubble in AI? Yeah, there probably is, to Anne-Marie Band's point. You know, are we overexcited about AI? Probably. But is AI for real? Probably. So I'd rather own, you know, tech companies on pullbacks here. If I'm putting money to work and I have been lately, you can see the kind of stocks I was buying. AMD, Amazon, you know, Airbnb was, you know, maybe, on, you know, reaching here. You know, I just thought, you know, I wanted to get some exposure. I still thought Airbnb more like an Uber. But, you know, definitely looking to increase my exposure in tech is what I was doing. Um, Deer is not a tech stock. Yeah, so uh, going back to applied materials very quickly, uh, let's go to the numbers here. Because the, the numbers actually on face value look decent, but the stock is trading lower, which is something we talked about yesterday, Dennis. Like seeing when the market reacts poorly to a good earnings report or reacts well to a bad earnings report. Uh, the EPS came in at 2 bucks a share, beat the $1.84 estimate. Sales came in at $6.63 billion, beating the $6.38 billion. So a slight double beat. Um, the stock slips despite, uh, you know, topping it, expectations. It, and it's really run. We were one fifteen a week ago. <laughs> we're one thirty. Like, this this tech you know, run in the last week has been nothing short of incredible. You know, s and has been driven by tech. It's been... You know, as some people are saying it's upside capitulation in some of these stocks, which it might be. Um, I haven't sold any. You know, I haven't sold my AMD. I haven't sold my Amazon. I haven't sold any of the strength into this. Um, you know, I've stuck those longer term. Um, taking it back to applied materials, do I think the weakness gets bought? Probably. 125 is a big level for it now. Here you have shorts that are like probably scrambling, hoping, you know, that this pulls back a little bit more. I think you want to be buying strength on weakness and selling weakness on strength. And what I mean by that is stocks trending up, those are the stocks you want to be buying on the weakness. Stocks trending down, those are the ones you want to be selling the strength. That's why I'd rather own applied materials than deer on these quarters. Got it. Uh, speaking of, uh, before we get to our guest, tech and AI, Upstart 
which is a company that uses AI to, you know, give out personal loans and stuff. This thing was up 15% yesterday, Dennis. I'm oh, kicking man. myself because I was looking at this a couple weeks ago and it was like $13, $14. And so here's, here. I mean, I, I'm curious the reason I'm bringing this up. I saw someone in the chat talking about it and I also wanted to uh, hear your takes on the technicals. Sure. But from a, from a more fundamental standpoint, Upstart was fairly grouped in with all these other i mean upstart this is the stock that uh whatever that guy's name is went on cnbc and they asked him what the what the company does right. and he didn't know um but upstart ran with every other high tech stock in 2021 you know every other kathy wood-esque type growth stock and just went crazy and so if, if i pull up a weekly chart you can see how this thing just got absolutely clobbered but what I will Boy, say is you, you look at this and you think, what a great stock, you know, what a great week. And you think about everybody who's bought this thing in the last two years is destroyed on it. You oh, know, I mean, the AI are... is giving what what the what is happening here with Upstart is AI is giving a rally to all of these companies that are performing very poorly. So I think you want to be buying the real companies. And not that Upstart isn't a real company, but you want to be buying like companies that you know like the AMDs and NVIDIAs that they keep crowding into. But am I chasing upstart? You know, the thing's doubled here in the last two weeks. I mean, this stock has so many bag holders. And could it go to 30 or 35? Yeah, but there's just so much overhead supply you run into here. I mean, it, there's room. Don't kid yourself. This thing could go anywhere because it's wide open when the thing was $400 a share at one point in time. But I think AI is getting a lift. Like to Anne-Marie Band's point, who made some fantastic points in the show yesterday, I think AI is giving a lift to a lot of companies that does, don't deserve that lift. This is one of those companies. I don't want to buy Upstart. Yeah, I hear you. And I think the, like we were talking about with On On, I don't think the story's over. I, I don't think the story's over here. And what I will say is I think out of all the crazy companies that we saw run in 2021, um, from a purely like financial standpoint, I think Upstart's actually in a better position than some of these other like super growthy type companies. Obviously, with uh, the demand for getting personal loans has gone way down as interest rates have gone up because um, it's made it a lot more expensive to borrow money. So I don't think the outlook's been great for Upstart. I, I am in with you, Dennis, 100% that I'm not chasing this up here at $24 after it was it was literally a $12 stock a couple weeks ago. Uh, but just help me put me because I was I, I was looking at this stock, did not pull the trigger. Now I'm upset because it's up 100. Yeah, this tell is me that, tell me the, that it'll be OK. Welcome to the life of a trader. You know, like you want to hear a horror story here. My Palantir, PLTR, you guys know, you know, I've been talking about this as an AI play here for a long time. For since April, I started as an AI. You go to Palantir website. It's the first thing they're talking about AI. I was like, this is an AI play. What happened in April? The regional banks started rolling over. They started hitting everything. I bought this thing at $8.60 and just kept rolling over and rolling over and rolling over. And I had like a triple-sized position. So I was like, you know, like I feel like this is going to be a moneymaker here. And I got stopped out when it went below 8 bucks. And then mm. and then it was going to report earnings. And I set it on the, on the closing print on Joel's show. I was like, I almost feel like rebuying my stock before the earnings print because I'm like... This, you know they're going to talk about AI. But I did not. And I've watched this Palantir now, you know, basically up 50% from where it was 10 days ago. I'm thinking, man, I called this. I got the story right, but I got the timing wrong. 
And, you know, that's sometimes the life of a trader here. You can get the story right, you can pick the stock right, and you get the timing wrong. And you know what? I think Palantir continues. I think the AI story continues. I think you're going to wait for a pullback here now. Will I buy it on a pullback? Maybe. Because I don't think the story is going away for, you know, AI. And I think it could drive it for a bit. But right now, anything to do with AI is popping. And Palantir is the first thing you go to the website is talking about AI. Yeah, I mean, from uh, if you like the long-term story, Dennis, I mean, just looking at this chart, even though it's up however 50% or however much you said, you still be getting it down here. I mean, I, I, I think, like you said, like maybe wait for a pullback, but I could be talked into buying some pounds here down here. I know Kathy I know. Wood just, just added too. some more shares this week, so... Um, I think we get a, well, if we get a dip, I think it's one you got to be looking at on dips. I, I actually thought, I keep thinking, you got to go with the spiny senses sometimes, spidey senses. Um, you got to go with spidey senses sometimes. $9, you know, we got that, you know, good earnings rip up over 10 and then it pulled back that nine. And that's where it had some resistance before. So it was a logical spot. I'm looking at the day on, on just, you know, May 15th, just from a few days here ago. That was the buying point, you know, where it's like, okay, well, we pulled back. We had a good quarter. People have forgotten. It's leaked a little bit here. But you had the old resistance of nine became key support. So that's where technicals can come in. Once you've identified, you know, that you like the story and you think there's a story here, now find your technical spot. And the people who bought this at $9 were, you know, all over it. Just very good trades. 100%. Um, all right, well, Dennis, it is 8.37 a.m. Eastern. I suppose that means it's time to bring on our wonderful special sure. guest of the day. We've got Jonathan Corpina hanging out with us backstage. Why don't we give Jonathan our very special pre-market prep? Welcome to the show. And then when we come back, we'll be talking. Uh, we'll, we'll be seeing what Jonathan's been watching. Jonathan, welcome to Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. How are you doing this morning? Gentlemen, good morning. Happy Friday. Jonathan. Happy Friday, you as well. Jonathan, Jonathan, Jonathan. What a market we're in here. I mean, yeah. it's been the tale of two markets here for a while where you've got, it seems like cyclicals haven't been doing great. Obviously, the IWM and the small caps haven't been doing great, kind of in a bear market. And then you have this rip-roaring tech bull market that just doesn't stop. You know, where NVIDIA keeps going up every single day despite a high PE. Microsoft keeps expanding on its PE. I mean, you know, AMD is now participating in this, you know, AI race here. Jonathan, tale of two markets. What are you seeing from the floor and what are your clients saying? Yeah, it's it's definitely a tale of two markets, right? And I think if we think if we back if we back up weeks ago and made a prediction about where we would be, we would be I don't think this is where we uh -oh. would have where we where we would have come out to. You guys good? You got me? Uh, you just static. You just uh, yeah. You're, I think you're okay now. You're yep. Just so uh, yeah, I'm not I'm not sure if this is where we'd actually come out uh, where we thought we would be. Uh, but clearly, earnings season earnings season has helped. Economic data has helped. Um, the the market has you know ignored all negative news or negative headlines and dates that are coming and looming down the road um, and, and we continue to trend higher so it's good to see is it healthy is it realistic I, I don't think so I think we're gonna have to get through a couple of dates coming up in the next few weeks to really uh, determine what our next levels are going to be but at this point we're seeing a lot of transitioning out of out of uh, out of some of the defense stocks out of energy into finance into technology it's just this rotational move that's here but at the end of the day again we still have interest rate conversations we still have debt ceiling you know we, we still have these these issues that are in front of us that haven't shown 
much clarity to them as of yet. So it's gonna it's gonna take us some time. When does uh, first of all thoughts on the debt ceiling? You mentioned it, so we might as well get your thoughts here now. I mean, is there any way that the U.S. government defaults on their debt? There's gonna be a deal here, right, Jonathan? Of course, there's going to be a deal. This is all this is all posturing, right? There's there's two sides to this. There's the there's the political side, and then there's the finance side. So the political side is we're going to posture, we're gonna we're gonna you know put our flag in the sand and say we're not moving beyond this line, and we're going to go back and forth. And we've got president, we've got president. Oh, Jack, let me look. Yep, sorry. We got President Biden coming back from uh, from his trip on an early uh, on, a, on, a, on an early schedule to start addressing this. I think there's cer- certainly a play towards that. Um, but what's going to happen is that they are going to get us as close as they can to the deadline. Add a little bit of drama to this. Yeah. Nobody wants to default on this, right? I, and I don't think anybody wants to be blamed for defaulting on this. So these headlines are going to keep coming out. The headlines now are we're getting you know. Progress is being made. Talks are occurring. These are the negative headlines. Once we get a headline very soon, well, I hope we don't, but if we get a headline very soon of we're not as close as we thought, there's a gap between where we want to be, I think the market's going to overreact to that. So just be careful because all the headlines we've seen so far um, are, are mostly positive about getting to some sort of resolution. If we see one negative headline about it, the market will re- overreact. And maybe that's the buying opportunity. Maybe that's the chance to get in because some people are looking at this market and saying, "I gotta buy today." You know, I I gotta get in there. It's all going up. I you know, FOMO is happening out there. You know, I'm seeing it. You know, from my Twitter feed, I'm seeing it. You know, from people I talk to, they're like, "Well, what do you think of Nvidia?" I mean, we we gotta buy this. Maybe it's that you know debt ceiling overreaction that it could happen here in the next week or two that gives us that buying opportunity, Jonathan. Yep, uh, I agree there. I mean, we can we can. Focus on the debt ceiling there. You can focus on technicals. S and P forty two hundred. A lot of a lot of chatter out there saying, you know, we're not going to be able to stay above it, and this is a this is a heightened level where that we're at, and this might be a selling opportunity. Look at the VIX. VIX has been trading, uh, trending towards the lows in the sixteens, and this is a a pretty low dip that we've seen before. And once the VIX gets VIX gets closer to sixteen, we've seen it bounce recently and bounce pretty good. So I, I think there's some definitely some some headwinds uh, that are in front of us here as far as you know what what the market is is trending to do. Um, but again, we've seen a lot of headlines uh, that have that should have had a negative impact on this market, and they haven't. So that's the little bit of you know skeptical side of it for, for me that. Uh, I, I do think we're going to get a pullback. Nothing significant, but every time I I, <laughs> I look at my screen, we're getting we're we're getting a lot of green and moving this market higher, and we're getting a snowball effect where everyone just kind of is jumping into it at this point. As you said, it's FOMO. So, Jonathan, is that like you know? Do you take importance to that the fact that? It seems like there are headlines out there that should move the market lower, but yet the market is is remaining resilient and seemingly just brushing bad headlines off and focusing on the good ones. Like, does that make you think, okay, this is a we're in kind of a bull market territory, or do you do you approach that more with caution, where you're like, uh oh, the the pullback's coming. I approach it with caution, right? Like we're in this no man's land right now. Um, okay. You know, the, the market has all these reasons, I think, to sell off. And when I say sell off, I'm not talking about a, a massive pullback in the market and, and overreactions. I'm just talking about, you know, if you look at where we were a few months ago and where we are now, 
we should probably it would be healthy for us to get a little bit of a pullback here. And as we said, would be good buying opportunities. So I, I, I kind of feel like we're, we're wishy-washy. We got in, we came into May and everyone talks to, you know, sell in May, go away, which I'm not a which I'm not a believer in. And we talk about debt ceilings and interest rates and when are they going to pause and what's the outlook moving forward? Earnings season, we're not, you know, we, yes, we are concerned about top line and bottom line, but we're looking at what is the outlook? What, what, what are these companies actually forecasting for the next few quarters? They all, they all hung their hat on the same uh, cautionary measures that are out there. So, like I said, we're like in this no man's land. It's going to be interesting just to see if we can get above 42 and stay above that 4200 level that we're going to have to really need a push to be there and if we don't the market will have a reason to pull back in nothing significant but i think we will see buying opportunities we'll probably start seeing money coming out of tech coming out of finance doing that you know cyclical rotation that we've seen before um you know you, you look at some of these tech names that you mentioned coming in like they they serious returns in the last month um that really would have to start to to get people to think look you know a amazon's gone from from 80 to to 120 over the last four months yeah you know so does that does that warrant a sale that's the big question here, you know, and a lot of people, you know, are thinking that, yeah, this is the rally to sell. This is, you know, yeah. the tech, NASDAQ, you know, the valuations, you know, NVIDIA. Somebody was saying to me upside capitulation in NVIDIA yesterday, you know, where the yeah. stock's going up another $15 after and everybody can't understand how it's at 300 It goes up another 15 I <laughs> yeah. mean, so some this could continue for a while. It, it can, but I think we'll have some short-term indications. We're, we're going to have... Uh, Powell and Bernanke on a panel today. Do I think they get really granular? I don't, but maybe they gleam some light on outlook. Uh, next week, Thursday, Friday, next week, we got some economic data, um, GDP, personal spending, personal income. That, you know, as as the Fed has always said that they're going to remain data dependent. Those are going to be some some key factors that are there. We'll get to the end of the month. At the end of the month, there's a big MSCI reweighting uh, that'll bring opportunities for. Um, besides significant volume, there'll, there'll be some pretty good volatility in the markets um, before we head in before we head into June. So, and then once we get into June, we've got debt ceiling uh, deadlines, we've got interest rate meetings. So it just kind of all feeds into each other. Uh, Jonathan, you you mentioned that you expect there to be some rotation outside of these hot sectors like tech, and and I mean we've seen some money flow into. Find, you know, financials from regional banks the past week or so. Do you have any, any ideas, any uh, predictions, what sectors you think that money might start flowing to? I, I think it might go back to some of the safer sectors right there. You know, some some some, some offensive uh, you know, stocks that could certainly um, uh, be a safe place to go if this market does doesn't have the ability to stay stay above forty two hundred. Um, you know, I think when that when you see that rotation into tech and it looks to come out i think sometimes on a short-term rotation you see high dividend stocks pull get pulled into that equation until there is some stability in the market so you know we're, we're gonna have to continue to monitor it it's just a question of when does that actually occur when does that when does that catalyst you know make that turn occur I, we have to continue to watch to see where this market goes like i said before those levels in the s p the levels in the vix as you know, S and P is trying to break through up here. VIX is trying to break through down here. We gotta, we gotta see if they're able to to really get through those levels. Um, and then, Jonathan, also, I mean, you you mentioned that like, is this move healthy? Is what's been, is what's been going on healthy? And and I don't know, but uh, is there any part of it do you think 
that comes down to is there a lot of short money out there like are there so many people shorting the market that it could actually be helping prop it up or at least individual names i i don't think so right i okay. i think i think people are too concerned to be way wrong in this market um and i don't think what we've seen the trading activity that we've seen doesn't indicate to me that we're seeing large shorts come into this market because very easily i mean just think about next week or the week after we get a headline debt ceiling come to agreement everything's great and then we're going to follow it up with a headline in june the feds looked at economic data taking everything into consideration we're going to pause like this market is going to rip higher on that right and that's those are two real factors right these aren't grasping at straws here those are two real things that could occur and if those things occur i i don't think the shorts want to be playing in that got it and jonathan last question uh as jay rice in the chat's talking about spy and iwm i mean have you been do, do you have any thoughts on just the overall market breadth i mean this move over the past month or so has been driven by a lot of of big names you know have you been watching the iwms from the smaller caps yeah, I mean, clearly we're seeing, um, you know, the the acti activity and the rotation there. If you look at the Russell 2000, probably uh, definitely lagging behind in performance, um, comparably speaking to S&P and other indices that are out there. Um, keeping an eye on the Russell, like, you know, the Russell is is really lagging behind. If you look back at a, at a on a yearly basis, I see you pulling it up there now. If you look back on a yearly basis, we're we're trending more down on the on the real lows. Um, of, of that sector there. So I think we're going to have to see some performance there. Um, and that might be an opportunity now, as you see that base that's built, that's built in there. Um, you know, that might be an opportunity to buy in. I'm just not, I'm just not convinced that this lagging, uh, this lagging indice is going to take that next step up just yet. There might be a delayed reaction to that. Yeah, I just know a lot of people out there are talking about the Russell and talking about these small caps got to catch up eventually, but they just haven't haven't, haven't. been shown a lot of love uh, out there at all. Uh, well, Jonathan, thank you for joining us this morning. Uh, chat, smash the like for Jonathan. Jonathan, hope you have a great rest of your Friday and a great weekend. Gentlemen, thank you and to you too. Thanks for having Thanks, me on. Bro. All righty, Dennis. So we've got about ten minutes left. What's uh, what what what's bur I know I know something's burning in your head, right? You got you got something to let loose about. Well, we what have is options it? expiration here today, so you have to consider that there's always you know increased you know volatility at the open and at the close, as you have institutions jockeying to open options positions against the stocks themselves. So expect some big moves here at the open at the close. Sometimes they can be turning points. So consider that as well. We have seen this happen before. We have run-ups into the options expiration. The upside capitulation happens, and that's the turning point. There's always the possibility of that. I don't know if that's the case here. We kind of have been range-bound for the S&P for so long. kind of feels like we're breaking out of the top of the range. It feels like a classic breakout here right now, so I'm still a buyer of dips. Um, I think we just got to be careful with chasing stocks here today because... Um, you know, it is options expiration, and sometimes you do have some reversals on these days. 100%. We got to get Tim Quast on to talk about the the option expiration. I know that's one of his favorites. So I actually didn't even notice this, Dennis, looking at the uh, daily SPY chart. It looks like we're now at our highest level since August 2022. We've officially taken out uh, <coughs> our highs back in February, or at least from my daily chart. That's what it looks like. I, I could be the wrong. The is a big level. Yeah. Yeah. So if we, and then, and then again, so this, and then this one, 
uh, August 2022 if we keep running 430s that next level there. Uh, and then, I mean, but like even over the past since last August to here, if you look, I mean, we got down to about 350 here, got down to 375, got down to 380. So it is lower or sorry, higher lows. Uh, and then now it seems like we're making higher highs. So it's like, even though there's a lot of caution out there and a lot of people that are, you know, can point me to this economic data point that tells me that the economy is not as strong as, you know, we think it is or this or that. It seems like the market doesn't care. And it's just been, you know, I'm not, it's not like the 2021 markets where it was just going up 2% every day, it seems like, but it seems like it's inching higher and showing a lot of resilience. Bears here have to be, I mean, like, I would wa not want to be a big bear right here, Dennis, because... You wouldn't want to be short. Okay. Like here, what's, there's what's, a big difference the... between being bearish and being short. Okay. So, <clears throat> it's okay to be... If you're bearish and the market's going up, it's not short. It's not that big of a deal. You're bearish and you're short, that's a big deal because then you're losing real money here. It's a tough market to be short. It's been a tough market to be short for a long time. I tried to be short this market. It hasn't been working, and, and that's why I went to the neutral camp two months ago and you know maybe i should have went to the full bull camp because obviously a lot of stocks are breaking out but i mean they've there's been so much you know headlines that the bears could have you know won on you know where we've seen some earnings come down the earnings weren't great from the big mega cap techs but they kept buying them and as you continue to see the silver lining market you had to change your thesis from being full bearish to at least neutral or maybe bullish because even though it may not make logical sense that the market continues to go higher, that NVIDIA can go from 55 times to 65 times earnings. That's the market we're in. And we know in the short run, moves can happen. You know, and valuations do, don't matter in the short run. They do matter in the long run. They don't matter in the short run. So you've got to consider, you know, just to flat out say, yeah, I'm going to short NVIDIA because 60 times earnings makes no sense. But now you're down 20, 30 bucks from, you know, at that point in time, you're like, okay, now what? Well, it's got to pull back eventually. Now you're in the hope trade. You don't want to be in that. So I have very few shorts on right now. The bulls are in complete control here. As long as the regional banks hold up here, that was the real bear thesis here. I think you're going to get a pullback. I think to Jonathan's point, we're going to get a pullback on debt ceiling. There's going to be some nervousness. Oh, they're not going to get a deal done. I think that's going to be your buying opportunity. That's where I'm going to buy more stocks. If we start to see you know, where we get a market dip and over, or an overreaction to a no deal potential, that's going to be the opportunity to get and redeploy some of that cash. Yeah, and I think, you know, watch out for those for, for that headline at some point because it went it, it, it flipped pretty quickly, it seemed like from that that was the reason that was the market was uh going down. Let's here I I got the KRE up right now. Let me go back to the spy. It seems like like a week ago or so. Uh some of these red days. That's why the market was down was because uh the politicians still had not come to an agreement regarding the debt ceiling. It was looking you know, and then all of a sudden you get a couple headlines saying, oh, no, they're making progress. The next thing you know, the spy goes up 15 points or whatever. So, um, you know, these things can happen quick, which is a good point to bring up the fact, Dennis, that like a lot of technical traders out there think you can just ignore the news completely. And I understand it, right? Like there's a lot of algos out there that are are trading just based off certain technical levels and and, and this and that. But at the end of the day, like, news matters and news moves a lot of stocks every single day out there yeah, the news does matter and i mean i still think technicals are one tool in your toolbox some traders out there it's their only tool they look at charts and they believe you don't have to look at anything else 
Uh, and maybe if that works for you, again, by all means, continue to do it. If you've been able to make money for the last five years trading with just technicals and ignoring everything else, by all means, continue to do it because you can't results speak for themselves. I say it all the time. If you're successful doing that, continue to do it. I have not seen, you know, in my experience at Bright Trading, and I've seen hundreds of traders come and go, the traders that rely purely on technicals usually don't last. Because there are times where you've got to lean on technicals. There's times where you've got to lean on story. There's times where you've got to lean on fundamentals. There's times where you've got to lean on relationships. And that time is all the time. I've always said I'm a relationship trader. I buy this because this is happening. I buy this stock because this stock is moving. I buy, you know, these stocks here. You know, the reason I bought AMD was because NVIDIA was blasting off and I thought there was a catch-up trade. The AMD has worked out very well for that reason. So, I mean, I think you've got to just, you know, be able to, but, but going to the headlines, and there's so many people who say, well, the headlines, you know, don't matter, you don't need those. I mean, this is the driver of prices, the headlines. Imagine ignoring headlines on Foot Locker. You know, why is Foot Locker down 25%? It's not because the chart pattern, it's because there was a disaster quarter. So you've got to respect fundamentals, especially when you got an earnings report here. I know some of the best technical traders in the world do not hold through earnings because you know what? It's a fundamental event where technicals all of a sudden don't matter. Do technicals matter afterwards? Sure. We already did a technical on Foot Locker and said there may be you know, some potential for some support at $30. So you can get an idea to where it's going. But news is still the driver. Headlines are still a driver. If you're missing out on headlines, you're missing a lot of good trades and a lot of good information. 100% could not agree more. Um, so we've got about three minutes left. I guess if anyone's got any stocks in the chat they want us to check out, unless, Dennis, is there anything that we, we haven't gotten to today that we need to? Um, we got to do the Trade Zero segment. Oh, you are so right. Thank you for reminding me. Let me go there ahead we and go. get it pu pulled up real quick. Give me a few seconds. And again, you know, like Spinner pointing out, you know, John Carter, excellent technical trader here. There's traders, if you're successful, I'm going to say it, I clearly said it, Spinner. If you can just trade technicals and you can ignore everything else and you have made money for the last decade doing that, continue to do it. I'm not telling you to change, but for those people who are struggling, for those people who it's, it's a difficult game to ignore fundamentals altogether. I think you've got to have a, you know, all the tools in your toolbox. If you're building a house, it's hard to build it with just a hammer. So that's why I'm saying I use it all. I spend a lot of money on information, public information, you know, where I'm going in. I'm using scanners. I'm using news feeds. I'm using, you know, all of that. I think Benzinga Pro is the best bang for the buck because I think they do a fantastic job on all the filings. I think they do a fantastic job, you know, the setup. It's clean. It's nice. Po so, you know, we can promote that there, too. Um, you know, you can go get a Bloomberg for $2,500 a month, but I mean, that's a lot of money to spend. You got to make a lot of money to make up for that. And that's out of, you know, uh, the budget for most newer traders out there. But I mean, I think you've got to, you know, have more tools in your toolbox than just technical analysis. Yeah. I mean, I, I always like to do a mix of both. If I, I feel like if I, I, what I, if I like a story and I like something that's going on with a, a stock and then I feel like the chart is also setting up for like a good trade, then that's when I like to hop in. I don't usually like to, uh, to hop in, you know, based off just one or the other. I like it to be a, a little bit of, of both. Sorry, I'm trying to, uh, for some reason, I've got the trade zero, but it's not. 
Huh. This is weird, Dennis. Sorry, I don't know why, but for some reason this isn't loading on my end. That's okay. Can we just do, can we bring up the Trade Zero, um, just the platform? Yeah, yeah, I'll go ahead and do this. So, um... We'll bring up the platform. He's not getting the intro. That's okay. We'll do the no, intro. No, Trade got, Zero. I've got the, I've got the here, I'll, I'll, I'll put the intro. We'll, 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 we'll show you guys the platform. It's a cool platform. Trade Zero, uh, you know, best place if you're out there looking to you know short stocks do some of this stuff it really is one of the best platforms so we'll take a look at the platform right here um all right so we're taking a look at netflix's chart here another great day on netflix yesterday uh dennis what, what, what did it close up like 10 percent? do you see that move um it was an it was an incredible move it was up $30. We talked about this on the show. Um, I was saying, obviously, I'd sold my Netflix. I kind of liked the setup. I should have listened to myself yesterday because, holy mackerel, it opened up the lows and just never stopped all day. That's a blast off. I mean, this whole advertising, you know, with the, you know, and giving you the cheaper. I mean, they're doing everything right right now, Netflix. So on pullbacks, I think Netflix is a buy. Yeah, 100%. And I mean, uh, this is the Trade Zero platform. You've got a bunch of different tools up here. The charts are amazing. I'm obviously partial to Benzinga Pro, but if I weren't using Benzinga Pro, this would be the platform I would be using. You have different things. We're usually looking at the top lists right here that show us the top uh, movers up and down, but for some reason, I'm having computer issues and not getting those to load right now. But shout out Trade Zero. Great platform here. Check it out if you have not already. Dennis, with that, it is 9.01 a.m. Eastern on a Friday. We made it through uh, another week of pre-market prep. Or you did, I guess. Yeah, and I've been fighting this one this week because I've been sick all week. My daughter obviously had a cold, and I've just been fighting this cough. And I'm like, you can see I go to the background, I'm coughing, coughing, trying to fight through it. So this has been a fight. The market is a fight, though. we got to continue to keep the fight up here. So, you know, again, options expiration. So expect some, you know, whipsaw action off the, off the open. Could there be, you know, more dips in their future to buy? I think so. And I'm going to use that debt ceiling to try to get some more of that cash put to work. If we have that debt ceiling talks, you know, start to falter. Yeah, um, something to watch for, for sure. And thanks for, for trooping it out with your cold, because otherwise I would have been stuck alone the past couple of days, which <laughs> something, you know, I do for Benzinga Live sometimes, but I don't know if the pre-market prep audience, I think they would have missed you because we're already missing, you know, Mitch and Joel. And don't worry, audience out there, Joel and Mitch will be back next week, so you won't have to look at my face anymore. Um, but Dennis... With that, enjoy Aaron, the rest I think of your you did day. A great job. Thanks so much for filling in here. Um, thanks to the chat for all your great ideas. I learned so much from you. People always ask, why do you do the show? You know, if you can make your living trading, which I do. I do the show because I learn from the traders in here. I get fantastic ideas from the trader. I mean, Money Mitch came to us from, you know, he was just a chat. And, you know, obviously he came up with, you know, some fantastic ideas back in the day. So we meet so many good traders. You know, so many traders have been in here for years. You know, I met another friend, Rahit, you know, a couple of weeks ago. He was the one that threw me, you know, AMD as, you know, being an a major AI player. I mean, I learned so much from you, chat. So thanks so much to everyone. And thank you as well, Dennis, for your uh, for your trading insights and expertise. And hope you have a great weekend. Take care, everyone. All righty, guys. 
Uh, please smash the like if you have not already and subscribe to the channel as well. You can follow us on TikTok, Instagram. You can follow me on Twitter down there somewhere at Aaron Bree 5 um, With that, we will be getting into some live trading. Ryan and Zunaid will be taking us through some live trades. We'll be watching all, a lot of the hot stocks that we talked about today, Foot Locker, you name it. Um, and then... Next week, we'll be back on Benzinga Live. Got some exciting guests and segments planned for next week. So, again, subscribe to the channel. Smash like if you have not already. And happy Friday, everybody. Stay green. All right. It is time.